Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Runners World podcast with me, Rick Pearson, and he, Ben Hobson. Each Tuesday, we'll be bringing you all the latest news, views, and interviews from across the running world. Ben, what have we got coming up this week? It's an education session. (laughs) <laughs> this will be learning more about the greatest runner that you've never heard of, a man called Al Howie. Al was a Scottish-Canadian ultra-runner who trained on beer, was once chased by Interpol, and set numerous running records, including running across Canada. His story is ram-packed with fake names, bizarre IDs, alleged kidnappings, poverty, addiction and deportations. Author Jared Beasley has written a book about Howie, and we will be on the line with him to tell us more. Lovely. Sounds good, yeah. I, um, I have to say, Al Howie wasn't a name before no. we started putting this episode together that I had heard of, but his um, running CV is absolutely remarkable. It's sort of the stuff of a Hollywood movie, actually. Yeah, definitely. It probably will be soon. Yeah. Yeah, directed by... Well, probably by Jared, but maybe with help from... From us. From you and I. It's about time. <laughs> Guest of the week. Here in the studio. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete. Jared, welcome to the uh, Runners World podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's good to be on. No, it's great, and we appreciate you getting up uh, early in the morning to be on because I know you're you're, uh, in New York at the minute. That's right. That's right. But uh, I'm making it. So, your book, In Search of Al Howie, it's kind of the story of the greatest runner. Maybe people haven't heard of. I wondered, how did you first come to hear about Al Howie? Uh, I got uh, really put on a quest to find him by uh, an eccentric neighbor of mine in Manhattan, and uh, he was he used to run some of these races that were some of the longest races in the world, and he wanted to find his old friend, and um, he, he wanted me to tell his story, and um, then I, I went looking for him, and I found him in a, a care facility in British Columbia, and uh, that started the whole thing, a two-year conversation with him. Uh, until he died in 2016. Do you remember what your, your, like vividly what your first conversation was like with him? Was it as you expected it would be? It was horrible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was, he uh, couldn't communicate right. um, the first time, especially. Uh, it was literally a bunch of grunts and uh, him breathing, and I was worried that I was bothering this person. And then he said abruptly, call back next Wednesday, and, and I heard the phone hit the table. And right. then the nurse was on, and she was like, oh, that's great. That's better than he usually does. Right. That was the first time, yeah. I'm interested in, in why someone like Al would have started running in the first place, because we hear a lot about people kind of running as a way to deal with their mental health. Do you, do you feel like he falls into that category? Uh, absolutely. Uh, he started to fight his addictions like a lot of people, um, but he had a lot of things going on. And it's it's really important to understand that on top of all that, like I think he was on the spectrum. Right. You know, uh, he was he was he just had 
an inability to really uh, connect in the same way that a lot of people do. Um, but having said that, he could also be very charming and witty, and he could hide it very well. But uh, it's important to remember that he was on the run from Interpol for years. He was using fake names, IDs. He, uh, some of the first races that he, he won, he, was, he, was, he, he won them under other names. His name's not even Al. Right. It's Ar- Arthur John, you know, and he's from Salt Coats, uh, Scotland. And so he was uh, on the run. He was uh, paranoid, and he was quitting his addictions. Uh, he had a kid, uh, and he was not really cut out to be a dad. And he had taken that kid uh, from England, uh, and uh, then they had bounced around Turkey and Greece before he ever got to Canada. So he had a lot of things going on besides his own DNA. So running was the way that he dealt with it, and he started out going ultra-mega distances pretty early on. I feel like there's a real divide between Al. I'm going to call him Al, even though now I know it's not his name, but there's a real divide yeah, between, <laughs> between Al, the, the, the man, and then Al, the runner. So I think that's that's why I, I called it in search of Al Howie. I wanted to, to try to bridge that gap and try to find out, you know, the answer to that myself. So let's talk a bit about Al the runner, because I feel sure. like some of the things that he did, we can come back to Al the, the man himself. But the, 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 the running feats that this guy did and, and I think in in the modern world of running, he would probably be sponsored by Hoka and, and would be the most celebrated, <laughs> the most celebrated ultra runner out there. But like back then, it was he, he was a sort of fringe fringe guy. Absolutely. Um, even today, he he would be. The distances are unthinkable. I mean, he was a hippie. He was somewhat of a social malcontent, and he lived in tremendous poverty. So he ran hundreds, sometimes thousands of miles to races. Would win the races and then have to run back. He would ship his clothes uh, on buses from city to city, and uh, that's how he got started doing mega distances. He ran from Winnipeg to Ottawa. That's uh, a thousand miles. And he entered a 24-hour race. He wins the race, you know, and then he has to go back. And so he was doing distances. I mean, you think about 1991, he did 5,800 miles in 103 days. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, But to even break that down, to look at how that happened, it, it, it becomes something else in my mind. It's transcendent in a way. I mean, you're talking about running the FKT across Canada. 4,500 miles in 72 days, 10 hours. That alone, I just, that's great. You know, I mean, that's amazing. He's got a plaque on mile zero. But it was only two weeks later that he was at the starting line of what was then the longest race in the world, the 1,300-mile race. That's a race from, from New York to Miami. And he enters that. He runs eight, you know, 86 miles a day for the first 11 days, breaks that world record, and runs... 1300 miles in 16 days 19 hours so that's how you you put those two together and then you have the 5800 miles you know i mean that he he did in 103 days it's just unbelievable yeah you're right it's it's almost hard to comprehend that i I wonder what effect talking to someone like al who does you know he's achieved such unbelievable feats what effect it had on you did it did you start to reframe what you thought was possible and, and how did it affect your running it affected my running a lot in that I wanted to try to have some kind of idea. You know, myself, I was a guy that, that just didn't run more than 10K. Uh-huh. Uh, I ran three miles a day. That was my yoga. Um, but when I was researching the book, I wanted to have some kind of taste. So I entered a couple of 12-hour races around a one-mile loop. 
and it's, it was just a different sport. That's the best way I can describe it. Um, and that's nothing. I tried to do in one day, in 12 hours, which was his running day when he was running across Canada, I tried to do 63 miles. And that's what he did every day for 72 days, and I couldn't do it. I tried two years to do it. I couldn't make it. Wow. He was yeah. a, so he's, he was he was a phenomenon essentially. Like sure. it's, he's got this physicality that just meant that he was capable to do it, and then the physicality perhaps driven by a lot of different mental things. Yeah, he had a, a tremendous ability to distract himself and from the pain, from the boredom, all these things. It's amazing, and he was miraculously injury-free for most of his career until after this this peak year of 91 that we just talked about. Yeah. And then after that, he had a, a fairly rapid decline. So it, it's uh, he, he did have a, uh, he was all legs and lung, uh, legs and, 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 and lungs, as one runner said. He looked like, uh, you know, Jesus in running shorts. He's a <laughs> hippie-looking guy, you know. Um, but he did have uh, a tremendous ability to take the boredom and the pounding, and, and he did have speed. He was a, a 229 marathoner. Uh, he he had the legs, and he didn't even start running until he was thirty. Well, yeah. he was a smoker, right? Three packs a day. Wow, yeah. my word! Yeah, but but he quit that. That's when he started running, and he was a big big drinker. Um, that that run, that thousand mile run that we talked about a minute ago from from Winnipeg to Ottawa to run the twenty four hour race, he was sponsored by Miller Beer, and he he was running. They said at a seventeen beer a day pace. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and then he drank one per hour during the 24-hour run. Wow. So yeah, he's yeah. fueling, like, his modern day race strategy was beer. Beer, yeah. That was one of the first things he said. Uh, he opened up after uh, the third or fourth conversation that we had, and I asked him how he warmed up, and he just scoffed at that. He said, oh, that's a waste of energy, man. I, uh, I said, well, what did you do? He goes, I, you know, everybody was stretching and... Uh, you know, doing their little, you know, little laps and getting warmed up, and I was there knocking back a pint. And he said he loved the look on their faces when you know he was on the podium. Yeah, yeah. And he, he ate a horrible dirtbag diet as well. I mean, fish and chips, fish and chips and beer. That was him. What do you think that the modern runner, you know, Ben talks about this, you know, might be sponsored by Hoka or you know lives a, a much more kind of pious life than Al. But what do you think that? that we can learn from from Al's um, example? I mean, presumably not all this would be recommended, but maybe his kind of approach has has some lessons in it. What do you think? I think there are a lot that you can take away that go well beyond running. I mean, right now the, the Bigs Backyard Ultra is going on right now. Yeah, There's right. four runners left. And those guys, there's not a lot of money in that, you know, and uh, they're tired. They haven't slept for two days. And they're all, all of four of them have got to be asking themselves, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I doing this to myself? Mm-hmm. And I think for Howie and for, for modern runners or anybody in general that, that would try to relate to Howie, he was really someone who, who was a misfit. He didn't ever have a, a niche. He was not sponsored at that time uh, except to get running shoes, you know, things like that. He didn't have gels, compression socks, GPS watches, none of that, none of those things. Um, but what he did was is that he expressed himself in the way that, that he could. And uh, for people who are fighting to find some kind of identity for themselves, and they may not be the most socially, you know, uh, adept people, 
they're all looking for some way to to deal with the world, and that's how how he dealt with it was with Miles, and was running nonstop. And when he couldn't do that anymore, he couldn't function, and ultimately that is what led to his decline. It wasn't the diabetes. He kept running after the diabetes. He had a rare form of adult onset type one diabetes. It's very odd for somebody like that. Um, and but he kept running after that. He kept winning after that. He run. He ran four ultras in 1998. He won four, and then the next year he was gone, obscurity. And two years after that, he was in a home. Did you get a sense when you when you talked with Al that he was proud of what he'd achieved in in, a, in his previous running life? Was there a kind of was there any kind of contentment that he took from from his achievements? I would really like to say yes, but I didn't feel that. Um, I felt I sensed some bitterness of not being recognized, not being known. Um, and he was not so expressive of his emotions Right. that way. I'm sure that he is very proud of what he did because he could remember splits. He could remember numbers like a savant. He, he just knew them. They were in his blood, and he would just trip them off, just bam, 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 uh, going way, way, way back. You know, he started running with Terry Fox, his first race in 1979. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, right. So Terry Fox is obviously the, the famous Canadian who um, attempted to run across Canada and, and died, uh, died in the process, right? That's, that's terrible. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, he, he ran with Don Ritchie. Uh, and, uh, he, and Don Ritchie really saved Howie when Howie ran the, the British end-to-end, the, the John O'Groyd's to Land's Inn. And how he broke that record in 1988. He ran it in 11 days. I think the pre- previous record was like, well, you know, almost 20 days or something yeah. like that. And then after that, you know, Don Ritchie broke it the next year. Of course, Don Ritchie was really a manimal. He was a fantastic run- yeah. runner. Yeah. But then it's just a matter of hours, you know. How he was really in a lot of things that he did. He was the first one to really show what could be done, to really break it open and and. After that, it was a run. It was not a jaunt, you know. Um, Jared, where can, <laughs> Jared, where can uh, people find more about the book and, and, and about Al? Um, they, they can find the book on Amazon.uk. Uh, um, we had an article or two come out about a week ago, and uh, th- we got hit hard. The Amazon uh, stores got hit hard. So if you see some message that says, you know, a delivery expected within, you know, the next three to five years, just ignore that. <laughs> right. Ignore that. They, they're ordering the books back. They're trying to get them. Uh, of course, you can get the Kindle. You can download that yeah. any time. Uh, you can find out more about Howie on my website, which is jaredbeasleyny.com. i got a lot of pictures there. There's a Facebook page that I started for him while he was alive. Uh, I, I did that for him. He was pretty uninterested in that, but at that point, but uh, I, I even uh, sent him a little. I made him a little uh, iPod, one of those little shuffles, you know, little yeah. tiny jobs, and he could work it because it was really simple, and mm. he he loved that. But uh, I tried so many different things to to help him out, and uh, yeah. Well, I think that the the running community and the world itself will probably uh, fully enjoy hearing all about Al and, and discovering a, a runner who perhaps they wouldn't have ever have heard of. So I think from that point of view, it's a great thing. I look forward to reading the book. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me and letting me talk about Al Howie. It's always great. His fingers on a button, his ears to the ground. 
He's done a bit of googling and he's had a nose around. He's a detective wearing running shoes. Carrie McCarthy and his weekly running news. With his compass point <laughs> focused directly on N for news. <laughs> It's Kerry McCarthy. <laughs> that, that's what you've spent the last few minutes thinking about. T- ten seconds. Gold. Wow. Yeah, well, anyway, yeah. hello, everybody. I'm hello. sure you get the idea Welcome. from that introdu- introduction. I'm the news dude. Um, got three bits for you this time. The first is regarding GB's very own uh, middle distance running superstar, Ailish McColgan, who had a, a triumphant end to what has been a very long season for her. Um, if you watched the World Championships earlier this month, you may have seen that she came 10th in the final of the 5,000 metres, which ordinarily wouldn't be great, um, but she actually ran a significant PB in that race, as did 11 of the 15 finalists. So oh, wow. yeah. it was a pretty rapid race, so yeah. I don't think she could have done much better, really. Um, but she had one final push in the tank this last weekend. She won the Great South Run, um, and in the process, clocked a new Scottish record which was previously held by her own mother. Oh, yeah. Liz McCorgan. Family bragging rights. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been held since 1997, um, the time of New Labour, Jerry Halliwell's Union Jack dress, Chumbawumba flying high in the charts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, it's, been, it's been waiting to be broken, really. Um, Ailish ran, what did she run? She ran 51.36, which is, beats her, her mum's time of 52 dead by 24 seconds or whatever yeah. that is. So that's not, you know, she didn't just scrape by. Um, and now the only Brit to, to go faster than her um, is Paula Radcliffe, fifty-one eleven. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so she's she's done well there. Um, I wonder how she's going to celebrate her off season now she's done. I think Rick, you and I were talking about this earlier. Yeah. Um, I was saying that um, when I interviewed uh, the former GB sprinter Craig Pickering once, he said that every off season he would just take two weeks to go to New York and eat um, TGI Friday burgers with his girlfriend. Nice. Which I, I think is kind of the way to do it, really. Yeah. If you were really athletes, how would you spend your off season? <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, going by the off season, the wonderful world of social media means that everyone post Doha was in the in the Caribbean. I saw a lot of that happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Caribbean would probably be. I, I I would probably do that. Just having a kind of nice, you know, like rum and coke and something. Yeah, just literally room service and and beaches. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd do a kind of food and wine tour of Italy. Just massive, like just pizza and pasta every night. I'm glad you added that last bit because that was starting to sound incredibly highbrow (laughs) in our season. A novel, you know. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Kay? What are you you going for? I think I would would channel Ben Stiller at the end of Dodgeball and I would just (laughs) eat. Oh, who's this guy? Yeah. (laughs) If you've not watched it, check it out. Watch the rest of the movie first. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. It's time for yet more chat about that shoe. Oh, good. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, the controversial Nike shoe, which was worn by Oleg Kipchoge in his triumphant sub two attempt recently, uh, is going to be known as the Alpha Fly when it comes out. In case you didn't know that, it's on the verge of being ratified by the IWF as legal, um, mm. despite their rules. written complaints. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the this is the problem. Um, their rules say many people, not to get too to Donald Trump about it, but yeah. many people have been saying. <laughs> Um, that the rules are not fit for purpose uh, anymore. Um, there have been written complaints from non-Nike athletes to say it gives Nike athletes you know, too big of an advantage. I'm not going to go into all the, the technology of, of what's in the shoe, but there has what's been technically known as kerfuffle right. about <laughs> this, um, possibly even a smidge of hullabaloo. <laughs> um, 
it can take as much as two minutes off according to off your marathon time according to some people which you know uh, at the pointy end of the field that's what the difference between yeah. first and fourth yeah, or yeah, something yeah, like that yeah. um but on uh monday the 20th of this month which is yesterday if you're listening to this on the day the podcast comes out the iwf's Technological Committee um, had a, a big conference call along with scientists from the University of Queensland and some legal experts. Sean Ingle, the Guardian's chief sports reporter, is reporting that the Technical Committee will make a proposal to the IWF Council, um, probably sometime in the next two to three weeks, that a running shoe should be regarded as legal, providing it gives no, air quotes, motor assistance to an athlete. Right. Whoa. So basically, if the only thing moving the shoe forward is a, is a person's legs, it's fine. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. That's what that's what he has been told is going to happen. What do you think about that? Well, I just can't wait for the Healy's Marathon shoe to come out so that you can see all these <laughs> shoes that kids used to skirt around on with little wheels in the heels. There yeah, you go. I, that's going to be the latest one. It's really tricky, isn't it? It's, it's um, there's no simple solution to this, but yeah, I think arguably the the item that you could you could say is should carbon fibre plates be allowed in shoes? Yeah, I mean, I'd, actually, I'd, and what you were saying about the, the, the percentage value of, of how much time it takes off at the sharp end of marathons at the, the elite level, mm. it's actually, I think the, the bigger thing is possibly more the impact from a financial point of view for people just running as an amateur. Like, if you want to be now competing, at, like, if you're a super good runner, but you haven't mm. got the coin, and yeah. you want to be the guy who wants, you, you know, if the other people have got the next percent and stuff like that, like, you've got to be spending... £250 to be competitive. I don't know. I don't know if it matters that much at the kind of high amateur sub-elite level. But, I mean, the money thing is interesting because, you know, obviously medals translate into money for elite athletes. And if you're missing out on the podium by four or five seconds because you're wearing, you know, brand X, then you might have got that shredded wheat endorsement or whatever it was if you got a medal. Yeah. Then, you know, that's, that's you know, let's not forget that track and field is not Premier League football. These people are not multi-millionaires. Mm. You know, they, many of them have to go and get, you know, standard-ish jobs afterwards or go into the media or whatever. So they need to make the most of, of their ability while they can. So there's, there's definitely that kind of spanner to throw into the works. Yeah. Um, but we will see what happens. 
And finally, moving on to something a little more altogether more genteel and old school and normal and relatable for you listeners out there, the ones based in England anyway. Sorry, everyone else. Uh, it concerns Forestry England, which is a governmental body tasked with looking after, you won't be surprised to hear, forests in England. Oh, wow. I know. <laughs> oh, cryptic. <laughs> they've, gone, they've gone for the Ron Seal approach with the name there. Um, runners can now explore 200 kilometres of trails. Um, they've they've basically marked up trails for people who would like to go for a run through one of their forests but are, don't have the confidence or afraid of getting lost or, you know, just need a little bit of guidance. Um, there are 18 forest locations where they've done this to start with so far. Um, each trail has been designed for runners of all abilities and they range, I think, from one kilometre to 10k. Nice. Um, obviously with the aim of providing people with the opportunity to kind of get out, explore, do a bit of kind of, I guess, speedy forest bathing, really, mm-hmm. um, and improve their health in the process. So if you want to find out where your nearest marked trail is, um, then you need to go to forestryengland.uk slash running. It's a good idea, isn't it? It's a great idea. It's a great idea. Yeah, I think we all think that lots of these uh, green spaces aren't run or walked mm-hmm. enough. So anything that encourages uh, people to do that, I think, is yeah. to be celebrated. Solid yeah? idea. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, mate. No worries. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. I'd like to say a big thanks to our guest, Jared Beasley, and to uh, Number 8 Studios in Soho, where this was recorded. For more news, reviews, interviews, and much, much more from the wider world of running, please head over to runnersworld.com slash UK. Please like and subscribe on iTunes. Please leave a little comment, tell us how great we are. And thanks to Acast, our hosting partner. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.